Welcome back to our living room and to the Life of Garrity podcast. This week, we are talking about biohacking for real life. that intro music it really riles me up so today we're talking about biohacking for real people who are living real lives and are not monks sitting at the top of a mountain meditating all day so this is so if that's you just feel free to skip this episode anyway I had wanted to do a podcast about the specifics of all the biohacks that we're into because it's something that comes up in conversation in our life so often. However, I felt like I need to set the table, you know how much I love doing that, and really explain how I've swung the pendulum really far in both directions and you know, where I've landed and and the middle ground that I've found now, because I've had this conversation with a few friends recently about launching into like learning about the toxic world that we live in. And a part of me wanted to be like, pump the brakes, because it's really scary. It's really overwhelming. And I kind of wanted to like protect them from the pitfalls that I've had. So we're going to talk all about it today. We'll talk about my journey of learning and then exploring and then ending up in therapy trying to undo the false sense of control and dogma that came with it all. (sighs) Very deep breaths. So first of all, let's start with a definition. I looked this up on Google because I wanted to be super profesh for you. What is biohacking? This consists of making small, incremental diet or lifestyle changes to make small improvements in your health and well-being. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? That sounds amazing. I just had this feeling that I should check to make sure this is actually recording. Okay, we're in good shape. So this is what happens when I'm doing this on my own. I uh, make a lot of mistakes. Okay. So let's talk about this learning phase. Here's the situation. Once you start to learn about this stuff, you can't unlearn it. You can't unsee this stuff. And if you let it, it can really take over your life. And there was one point where I wanted to do, I come up with all these wild ideas for like content for social media or otherwise, but I don't actually execute on any of them because my full-time job is wildly busy. However, I had had this idea to do a piece of content a while back where it's like a a picture of a plate of food and the thought bubble is what a person that doesn't have you know, that doesn't know about how toxic the standard American diet is. Like somebody who is unaware of that, what they would see when they look at this plate of food versus someone who lives with chronic disease and histamine intolerance and all of these things. And like the struggle and the stress of when I look at a plate of food, I'm calculating up how much histamine have I had today? You know, where can I push the boundaries? What have my what what were my stress levels today? Can I handle eating this dairy right now? When was the last time I had dairy? You know, and like 
there it's like a mental gymnastics trying to figure out what to eat i feel like i am in a bet and i don't remember when that was sometime in the last two years i feel like i'm in a much better place now and that was also before i launched into you know last week i talked about therapy and that was a big big thing that that i've worked done a lot of work on in therapy is kind of undoing a lot of the disordered eating that is common with restrictive diets that are required for, uh, you know, an autoimmune disease. So we'll dive into that in a little bit. But so the first phase is you're going to start learning about all this stuff. And really the key is you learn about it. You try it on for size. Well, well, actually, let me back up. You learn about it. You find a solution. You try it on for size, and if it doesn't work for you, you let it go, and then move on to something else, and don't let it take over your life. Now, that is much easier said than done, especially if you're in the trenches of A, a diagnosis, or B, waiting for a diagnosis. I talked a ton about that in episodes, uh, the chronic disease episodes we did uh, number four through six, where I've had a lot of friends who are kind of like waiting in the hallway you know, of waiting for a diagnosis. And, and I can't imagine how frustrating and stressful that is. So anyway, whatever it is that has brought you to this place where you're like, let me try some biohacking, you know, you got to like really find a middle ground there. So par- some parts of my journey over the years have been learning about the standard American diet, also known as SAD. SAD, learning about American culture, hustle culture, uh, the toxic overload of the products that we're surrounded by, uh, the lack of nutrients in the food that we buy at the store, the normalizing of medical intervention when when maybe it wasn't really necessary. But those are kind of the things that I mean when when I say like you start doing research and learning about these things. It can be shocking. It really can be. And I think I spent several years like really in those trenches trying to kind of navigate how to live an optimal life. And of course, it's always a work in progress, but I feel like we've been able to find a middle ground, not stress about it as much as, as we used to. So backing up a little bit, age 17, I was at a crossroads. That was in 2004. And I started seeking a spiritual path. Now, I was not raised with any kind of religious upbringing, so I, you know, was really just an open slate and was just looking for anything, anything outside of myself to seek. So soon after that, I found yoga, and that really was my first introduction into self-care and self-love. Oh, no, this is a long pause. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to cut this out. (laughs) Dang it. One of my friends also has Hashimoto's and her husband calls when she has like long pauses in, you know, in the middle of a conversation, he calls it a commercial break. And that just, that really resonates with me. It just, I have a lot of commercial breaks, which is tough when you're trying to edit a dang podcast. Okay. So then Shortly after that, I moved to Boulder and I was introduced to some really radical shit. I mean, Boulder is like the place for, you know, alternative lifestyles. 
So that was fun. I mean, I, you know, I had a roommate who made her own kombucha, you know, in these like jars on top of the fridge. And this is back when kombucha was not a thing. Like you couldn't just go into a store and buy kombucha. So there was just, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on and, and I was absorbing a lot of it, but I didn't really take action on any of it and really felt like it didn't apply to me. And, but at the same time I was, I had also during college found Bikram and woof. I have not watched that documentary and I probably won't. I'm very sensitive to traumatizing things of that nature. So I likely will not watch it. However, I will say from the things that I've heard about it, I mean, it stacks up with what my experience was. Now, I never did a teacher training or anything, which looking back, I'm surprised I didn't considering how into it I was, probably because I didn't have the like five grand to drop on that. It's it's interesting when I look back through like the course of my life and Ryan and I always joke about how like we're really into culty things, like we're CrossFitters, we eat paleo, you know, like Vikram really was that and, and it was super dogmatic. And for some reason, I've always been attracted to those kinds of like really militant type practices. So anyway, I probably did that very regularly for three or four years. And then right around that time, it switched from yoga studios started to offer it, it because I, when I first started Bikram, you were either a Bikram studio and that was it, or you were a vinyasa studio. And if you were a vinyasa studio, your studio was not heated. But now those lines, you know, 10 years ago or so, those lines started to blur a little bit and, and, uh, Bikram started to kind of phase out and studios were either teaching all different forms of yoga, some heated, some not, but then also some of them were doing Bikram and vinyasa. So it was really interesting, but that was completely off topic and has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So anyway, so I'm, I'm living in Boulder. I'm, I'm learning about all these interesting things, but I'm not into it, you know, like as far into it as I got was meditation and yoga. That was, that was really it. So, which are kind of one and the same, you know, anyway. So then in 2009, I graduate, I went to CU Boulder in case you were wondering. So in 2009, I graduate and I moved to Aspen and it was there that I really started to learn and explore. And I was surrounded by, I was in a very unique situation that I will not talk about at this time, but I was surrounded by this incredible group of older, very wise women. And looking back on that, what I would give to be in that circle of wisdom today, I mean, Oh, I, I didn't realize how how lucky I was to to be surrounded by them at the time. But I did start noticing. I started noticing the way that they talked and and the the products that they used and the way that they ate and the way they conducted themselves in light, you know, out in the world. And uh I I noticed the products that they were using were like all natural and and they were purchasing those things from Vitamin Cottage, which is if you're not from Colorado, that is essentially like a Whole Foods. It was like a smaller version of a Whole Foods back before the Roaring Fork Valley had a Whole Foods, which they do now. So anyway, I was kind of noticing a lot of that. And if you want to dive into, we did a whole three series episode on the products that we use and our favorite B Corps and all of that. So that is episode 11 through 13. If you want to learn, go back to those. But they I also started noticing they were really in tune with their bodies. And most of them were were 
mamas and they either had like young kids or had kids that were my age. And, um, I still, I told the story last week about Pam and the spiritual side of our menstrual cycle. Right. So she was, you know, she was really instrumental in, in that phase of my life. And then also, um, there was another woman I spent a lot of time with. Her name was Dawn. And it's so interesting because every once in a while I think back and I'm like, man, I wonder what some of these women are up to. I've never like sought them out, but whenever I'm back in Aspen and I'm in my old neighborhood, I think, I wonder if Dawn still lives there. So she was one of my neighbors and long story, but I had a dog at the time and our dogs were best friends. So we did a lot of hiking together. We hiked Little Cloud, if you're familiar with Aspen, uh, pretty regularly, like a few times a week. And I was telling her about one day, I, I, so at the time I was on Synthroid because when I was 16, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So I've been on Synthroid this whole time, which is like, whatever, 17 years. And I was also on hormonal birth control. I was having all these weird like health symptoms and she had kind of mentioned, she was like, oh, no, no one's ever told you about like what the long-term effects of that. So I started to learn from her about, you know, that like it was the first time that I was able to connect that taking medication is not benign. Like it has an effect on everything else, right? Like if I'm taking ibuprofen, now there's all sorts of chemical reactions happening in my body, right? And I I lived on ibuprofen for like 15 years. I mean, I got headaches all the time. So I was taking, it just, it was nuts. I haven't taken ibuprofen in years at this point and I can't anymore anyway because of ulcerative colitis. But all that being said, I started to kind of better understand. And it was this weird thing where it's like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that what my Western medicine doctor is prescribing to me isn't going to help me achieve optimal health. So I was like, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And my mom had kind of mentioned some of those things in the past, but I just couldn't believe it. And I went into, so I marched in to my gynecologist and I said, I want to get off birth control. And I don't, I have I don't remember how long, like how I worded it. And that was, so we're going back 10 and a half years ago. And she was so rude about it. She said, if you're getting off of birth control because you think it's good for your health, then you're wrong. But if you're doing it for peace of mind, then sure. And I just could not believe how rude this woman was. And if you live in Aspen, she's a really well-known doctor and you absolutely know who she is. And I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to blow up her spot. But looking back on that, like, wow. But that was my first time really taking a stand and, you know, taking responsibility for my own health. Now, I am not judging in any way that I I believe that hormonal birth control has a place. You got to use it as needed. Like, no judgment whatsoever with that. I'm just saying that for me at that time, I was having a lot of issues. I was having symptoms that were similar to a stroke. And uh, come to find out like years later, that particular birth control that I was on was like taken off the market because of it. So my intuition was right that what what I was on was, was not a good fit for me. So anyway, that was really one of my first just, you know, experiences t- taking a stand for my health. So then uh, and then also at that point you start questioning everything. It's like what I learned, like what I learned about folic acid and how folic acid is the synthetic form of folate. And folate is what we need, 
a lot of gynecologists will, or OBs will say, hey, uh, make sure you're taking a prenatal with folic acid because we want to, you know, you need to have that. But what I come to find out, there's a lot of people who don't react well to folic acid. Turns out, I think I am one of those people. I have that MTHFR gene mutation, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's like one of those things where you learn that. And I remember going into like when I moved to New Jersey and I found a new gynecologist, I you know, she had mentioned something about taking, taking a, a, you know, a daily vitamin that has folic acid. And I just like, in my mind was like, I can never see this woman again. Like I do, I no longer trust this woman as a doctor. So it's one of those like really tough situations where you have to be, you know, you can't let it run your life, but at the same time you have to stand up for what's right for you and for your health. And for me, folic acid isn't a great option. So you know, and there was a time too, if you're a CrossFitter and, and you drink uh, Fit Aids, there was a time where their beverages had folic acid in them. And I actually asked, I uh, reached out to HQ and I asked, what what's the deal? Why, why do you have to put folic acid in this? And they did end up changing it. It, it no longer has folic acid. So interesting. Not that I don't think that I caused that, but I'm guessing there were a lot of people that probably reached out. It's, you know, you start, the whole point being, you start questioning everything, right? So then fast forward 2012, I find the paleo diet and I start doing that with a a few friends and I dove in head freaking first. I became super dogmatic about it. And again, it was like, I learned about the standard American diet and it just, lit a fire in me. And had I known about podcasts back to I probably would have started a podcast. Like I would have started a blog had I known how to do that because I was like so passionate and I just couldn't believe that like nobody was talking about. Well, people were, but you know what I mean? Turns out the quickest way to lose friends is to be super judgy and dogmatic about something like that. <laughs> I kind of had to learn that the hard way. So anyway, fast forward I'm strict paleo for two years and I moved to New Jersey and I'm like, well, I'm gluten-free by choice. So I'm just going to enjoy myself for the first couple months here and eat all the delicious things. And turns out it took a total of seven days for my body to have a complete like breakdown. And honestly, my body's never been the the same since. So that kind of tipped my body off into – I guess the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back and it was coupled by, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but it was it was coupled by a ton of emotional stress as well. And after I dove in and, and learned more about the nervous system and trauma and all of that, that a lot of times autoimmune diagnoses come during a time when there's a perfect storm of all of these things. I went from not eating, eating gluten to eating a whole bunch of gluten. I moved 2,000 miles away, left my family behind, didn't feel welcomed or accepted by my in-laws, and I doubt they'll ever hear listen to this, so whatever, I feel fine saying that, but it was true, and I, you know, I've had to do a lot of work around that, and anyway, we'll talk about that in a little bit further down, so at that point, I get diagnosed with Hashimoto's. So we're going back about six years and I deep dive into, so let me also back up and clarify. Hypothyroidism is super, super common. Like both of my grandmothers had it and I, like it's just a lot of people have it. Now, nine times out of 10, it is the 
Hashimoto's form of hypothyroidism. So you can either have, well, I'm not even going to dive into that because I'm not a doctor and who the, I'm, I don't want somebody to be like, oh, that's not actually how that works. So anyway, I I found out that I had the Hashimoto's form, which is the autoimmune form of hypothyroidism. And I never heard of autoimmune disease. I had just no idea what was going on. So I deep dive. I listen to every podcast. I listen to, I mean, shout out to the Balance Bites podcast, like for real. I listen to every podcast about autoimmune disease. I read every book. I read all the research. Like I went deep and I start learning about the nervous system, autoimmune protocol diets, environmental toxins, endocrine disruptors, emotional stress, trauma stored in the body, generational trauma, like all of it. I go deep, guys. I don't, I don't do anything half-assed, right? So then I, so I do all these things. I do all the biohacking that's like available at my fingertips. And then I just really, I just, I was having a really hard time getting all the way there. And really when you start learning about a lot of that stuff, there's so much information and it's tough to know like what is right for you and what isn't. So if you have the financial means to do so, I always recommend this, but I started working with a naturopath. And if you want to hear more about like the mindset behind me working with a naturopath, um, versus like how I blended that and Western medicine, you can go back and listen to episode four through six because I deep dive into the mindset between having to surrender and having to accept medical intervention. Anyway, so I start working with her and it was a game changer. And she, you know, did a bunch of blood work and, and uh, yeah, I, I started taking a ton of supplements And I'm always really hesitant to talk about those, just like the specific things that I take because it's literally as recommended by my natural path. So it's not like, oh, these are the things I take. These are the things you should take too. Like, no, 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 that's totally not how it works. So anyway, and then also at one point I start crossfitting a little too much and I ended up going to a pelvic floor PT, which I'll tell you more in depth next week on our episode about like moving the needle with biohacking and, you know, those like more specific things. So then, you know, as you're learning all this information, then you start exploring and you start like trying these things on for size. And I'll just say a couple of notes here. One is as you're exploring, keep in mind that everything is connected and everything affects everything else. So here's an example. I have histamine intolerance, which means chocolate, probably shouldn't eat that on a, on a daily basis. So if I sit down to a meal and it's a stressful situation and maybe I had a really hard day and I'm feeling exhausted and, you know, just in a really rough spot and I sit down and eat a piece of chocolate cake, it's going to have, it's, my body is going to accept that cake differently. Now, if I sit down to a meal with friends and we're laughing our asses off and we're having great conversation and I feel safe and I feel loved and welcomed in that situation, my body is going to take that chocolate cake completely different. And I'm probably not going to have a histamine reaction to it, to be honest. So keep in mind that like everything is connected and sometimes, sometimes you can get just as much benefit from doing something super, super simple. And 
before you go out and spend a bunch of money on all of these things that I'm going to talk about next week, set your intentions for what you want to accomplish and then be real about the reality that this one thing, whatever it is, is probably not going to change your life. Like you could do a hundred different things during the day that are all going to move the needle just a little bit, but know that there's no like one thing. Now, if you have celiac disease and you stop eating gluten, that's going to move the needle. That's going to change your life, right? So I'm not talking about those obvious things. Like if you have Hashimoto's, don't eat gluten or soy. Like biomimicry, it's a thing. You can Google it. Other than that, I'm talking about like the small little things. Like if I, you know, drink this one special tea, is it gonna is it gonna get me into remission? No, it's it's in fact not going to. It's it's a lot deeper than that. So anyway, and a lot of what we'll talk about next week too is that biohacking to me is really about reconnecting to my body's inner wisdom and working with that. So that's why this is so individualistic, right? And the biggest thing for me, the biggest needle mover is getting into the parasympathetic state. So for me, there's a whole list of things that I do to do that, which I'll tell you about next week. And a lot of that is like seeking the light, seeking joy, seeking that peace of mind and and um, digging into my own personal spiritual practices. So keep that in mind that it's not just like you're going to drink this tea, you're going to take this supplement, you're going to put this collagen in your coffee and now all of a sudden your life's going to change. I'm here to tell you the whole reason I wanted to do this intro episode is because I'm here to tell you it's not going to change your life. (laughs) And not only that, you may find out years later that you have histamine intolerance and turns out drinking freaking bone broth and eating kimchi and putting collagen in your coffee is actually the opposite of what your body needs, right? Like that was a huge slap in the face when when I figured that out. Anyway, so the last thing I want to talk about today is therapy. The reason why I think this is so important to talk about, and before I had dove into therapy, I had really come to this place where I had realized how disordered my eating had become from all of the strict uh, protocols that I had done. And you know, if if you've listened to episode four through six, you've heard a lot about this. And maybe I'll do an episode. Like if you think this is interesting, I will deep dive into my nutrition journey as it relates to autoimmune, my autoimmune diseases. However, there is a vibe in the biohacker world that you are in control. And if you aren't achieving the result you wanted, it's your fault. And you aren't biohacking hard enough because you should be able to heal your body. And if you can't, And if you have to take medication, you are wrong and you're not doing it right. And there are books upon books upon books from experts who will tell you that message. And it's heartbreaking. It really is. And I bought into that for a number of years. I bought into that because I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, did all the biohacks, got into remission. And then because of that experience, I thought I knew everything, right? And I didn't. I didn't know anything. And then it was a huge rude awakening when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And I went back through and was like, all right, I'm going to get stricter with my AIP. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it didn't work. Literally, I di- I've i done all of it and it didn't work. So that was really traumatizing for me when I realized that one plus one 
doesn't always equal to. Everything is true until it isn't, you know? And something else is that when it comes to these really restrictive diets and and really restrictive ways of life, there's all these rules and regulations, right, that you have to follow. And what I learned too is that that separates you from your fellows. It really does. So if I'm at a dinner party and – You know, I have a couple of non-negotiables, like gluten is like, that's a non-negotiable. But dairy, I'll have sometimes. And if somebody makes something really delicious for me, I'm going to eat that thing. And sometimes what's more important is the spirit of it. And it's uh, like, I remember this was a while back, somebody, a friend of mine had brought me a baked good that was gluten-free and they were like, Hey, I saw this and I thought of you. And I was like, heck yeah. And I read the ingredients and it had canola oil in it. And I was like, that's totally cool. I'm going to eat this anyway, because it's going to bring me joy. And the fact that my friend was out somewhere and thought of me and picked this up for me means more than me having a little bit of canola oil in the zucchini bread, you know, like it's, it's the, the intention behind it. So I ate that bread and it was so dang good, you know? So I have to, that's kind of like, that's the the vibe that I want to get through on this podcast is look at, look at everything in totality instead of just individual things, because none of it's benign. Everything affects everything. And, you know, really just give yourself some grace. We're all literally doing the best we can with what we have. And sometimes I have to let that go when I'm traveling and say like, okay, the only options for me on this menu are this, this, and this. Okay, which of those are going to bring me the most joy? Okay, maybe it's not the most nutrient-dense option, but what's going to bring me the most joy in this moment, you know? Anyway, okay, the last thing I'll say is that if you are kind of just starting some of this, some of my favorite books, because people do ask me about this, especially with autoimmune disease. Now, have I read a ton of books? Yeah. Would I recommend any of them? Absolutely not. Because those books are going to tell you that you're in control. And then if you're not healing, it's your fault. So do not read any of those books. Now, there is one book that I will recommend that I thought was really helpful and I've had other friends uh, read it or even gift it to other people and have a positive response to it. And in regards to autoimmune disease, the book is Body Belief by Amy Rupp. She talks about like that mind-body connection of like learning to love, like love yourself and love your body even though it's going through this experience. So I haven't read that book in a, in a few years, but when I did read it, I, I found it to be super helpful. And actually one I didn't write down on this list is there's another one about histamine intolerance. So if you think maybe that's an issue for you, there's a book that I highly, highly recommend by Dr. Becky Campbell. I think it's called The Four-Step Histamine Reset. Hold on, let me just look this up. The Four-Phase Histamine Reset Plan. Getting to the Root Cause of Migraines, Eczema, Vertigo, Allergies, and More by Becky Campbell. Boom. Yeah, that's a really great book. Highly, highly recommend. Okay. Then the next one is if you're just introduced – if maybe you don't have any health problems whatsoever and you're just interested in like learning about all this stuff, one of my favorite books is Dirty Jeans by Dr. Ben Lynch. Dr. Ben Lynch was one of the first people who I heard talk about – 
folic acid and the effect that has on the womb. And then also just he talks about so much amazing stuff and just really how uh, it's, it's a book about epigenetics. So if that is interesting to you, check. I would start with that one. Like honestly, the intro into this, that is a real – and it's an easy read I think. So then the last book that I would recommend is Deskbound by – Kelly Starrett. He was another one of the pioneers in in biohacking. And he talks a lot about the diaphragm and how, you know, sitting in a, at a desk all day, like how that really has an effect on our overall health and everything else. Just like I said already 10 times, none of these things are benign. Everything is connected. Everything affects everything. So that was a really, really cool book to learn about that. It's fascinating. And he even gives you like a lot of um, soft tissue work that you could do to kind of loosen up the uh, the fascia around the diaphragm. So then also the last thing I'll say, it's not a book, but if you're interested in the diaphragm, maybe you are a mama or you want to be a mama in the future, Google birth fit functional progressions. And I swear by those. I don't do, I, I did do a birth fit coaching seminar a few years ago. And I, after that, I mean, you can't unlearn it. You just, you really can't. And that changed my life and it changed how I breathe. It changed how I work out. I don't do sit-ups anymore. And there's a reason why. And it's just, it's really great. They have some amazing resources, but I'm pretty sure they have YouTube videos on the functional progressions. And you could really just start there with like learning how to, how to, I don't want to say strength, strength is not the right word, but how to fully engage your diaphragm. That's how we can word that. And we'll talk more about like my journey with diaphragmatic breathing and uh, seeing a pelvic floor PT and all that. We'll talk about that next week. Um, I think that is all I wanted to tell you. So remember, give yourself some grace. We're all doing the best we can. And sometimes the best we can do is lean into what is surrender and seek joy. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review. And if you screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address, we will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. All of this information is in the show notes. See you next week.